What's up, everybody? Welcome to the View from Jamestown podcast edition. This is episode 97, and we are back with our favorite sporadic, or I guess regular, regular uh, guest now, Kathy Hall. Uh, Kathy, good morning. It is still morning over here. Hi. Yes, thank you. Regularly sporadic. I like it. <laughs> I am back, and I'm happy to be back. It's great to uh, to see you, and thank you, as always, for the invitation. Um. As I'm hoping your audience knows, I am Kathy Hall, the executive director of Petrochemical Products for Opus, uh, the Petrochem Wire products, which uh, Petrochem Wire is a daily newsletter that focuses on ethylene and propylene. And we have other products that are um, on a weekly basis. We also work with Opus's chemical market analytics on, um, on of course, many, many chemicals. But our focus for your purposes are ethylene, propylene, benzene, and larger macro issues. And then we talk about the many downstream markets in a collective sense in terms of demand. But yeah, like I say, I'm, I'm always happy to be here. And it's been, um, it's been quite a three months. I think that the last time I was here, we were wondering if we were going to hit some record lows in the U.S. base pricing. Yeah, it's. I'm trying to think back. I should probably know this. I think this is probably our what seventh, sixth or seventh quarterly episode we've done, going on the better part of a couple of years now, which is which is exciting. It's been great having you on. We, you know, some of our, despite the fact that you know when the five of us are here, it's always a good episode. But I think you're you're by far some of our uh, our listeners' favorite guest uh, guest appearances. So we always appreciate it. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been great kind of touching on things quarterly to see, um, what's happening. Obviously, as we've kind of come to find out with these quarterly episodes, seems a lot can change in, uh, in just three months. So it's always amazing. You know, I think last time we recorded, it was a little bit quiet. It was kind of midsummer. There was not a whole lot of excitement going on. People trying to figure out when, when we're going to hit the bottom. And then now we've got, uh, some, I think, interesting points to touch on coming at the end of the year. Um, so I know kind of in general, just to kick it off, you had uh, sent a couple interesting bullet points just about, um, you know, where we kind of are currently and in, in some macroeconomic trends, um, you know, with low demand weighing on prices, low inventories. Um, what's kind of the general, you know, you mentioned that it's been an interesting couple months. What's kind of the general trend on things happening these days in your world? Well, I think that overall the, um, I think about the comments that I hear from people in the industry, you know, and it's it's mostly more of the same, but at the same time, a little bit grateful that it's more of the same. I don't think that this year was one of the industry's best, but it wasn't the worst. I think that um, a lot of people feel proud of the stability rather than volatility that we could have seen. I still think that um, even, even if in maybe another sense, you know, getting into space and time and feelings that we might feel as though, you know, the times of lockdown, oh, that was three years ago. When I look at price trends and in particular the volatility and you and I have been over this quite a lot, you know, the things that nobody could see coming and how long they took to play out. And part of me wonders if, as far as chemical markets, in particular demand, are we still in what is 
maybe a, a major long longer term correction uh, because demand has really not been it's not been um, robust in 2023. I don't really think around the world for any chemical, but focusing on the U.S., it, you know, I think that um, I don't think that anyone was forecasting for robust demand. But certainly, as we, uh, you know, when you and I last spoke in July, for example, ethylene was down to 16 cents, and you know, anything below 20. Just looking at a 10 or 15 year trend, anything below 20 cents is, you know, cause to look at your technicals. How low can this go? Um, propylene on the finished grade side, in particular, we're tracking the polymer grade, the higher quality finished grade stuff. That's uh, a, that price has been above the ethylene price for for years, but um, you know that again that dipped below. Mm -hmm the 30 cent mark and that was again in you know in July going well what's going to happen particularly in July you start to hear demand reports about the rest of the year you know the year is over that that sort of thing so it's like uh. so where does the fourth quarter go typically though as a lot of people know you October you, you can see a little bit of a bump that um not a huge bump but a little bit of a bump where maybe it's you know a mini correction or you know you're trying to plan for the rest of your year and you and you do but then you get to October going well I need a little just in time stuff for the next month or two and then you know so you might see that little bit of a bump a little bit of a a steady market in November and then maybe a, a little bit of a drop off in December as people really especially smaller plants you know just really might reduce or, or shut toward the end of the year and balance the inventory. I apologize about my office mate. He's a little bit <laughs> emotional this morning. Anyway, um, but yeah, so I do think that what we talked about in July that we could see in October, my recollection is that it's uh, it's largely come true so that we weren't expecting surprises. We didn't see surprises. So, um, you know, but that said, trundling along with so-so demand and essentially low inventory. I think the low inventory part is the different part, not that low inventories at the end of the year are you know, exceedingly rare, but uh, having low inventories for much of the year is pretty rare. So that's, uh, I don't know if, if that's something you're also hearing in, in your world, Ben, that, that your orders are feeling a little different in terms of overall you're through you know the first three quarters going wow you really didn't order nearly as much as you have in the years past but then again what was 2022 it was a massive correction of panic building because of supply chain issues and that's why i say it may be that we're still in a um in a macro correction in terms of demand, or maybe that, you know, that people have gotten used to doing more with less, and this might be something that we see for a while, but that's certainly been the feeling all year, is that a kind of a 
fair to middling demand. Yeah, it's been interesting. I, I would definitely agree with that. I think we're probably still in that correction cycle. You know, I think things are maybe a little bit better. You know, the beginning part of this year, I think, was obviously very slow. You heard a lot of destocking and people just working through inventory and things along those lines. But I think in our business, we've certainly seen a bit of an uptick in orders here and there that we hadn't gotten early parts of the year. And a lot of it was, you know, hey, we need a truckload and we need it on Thursday, um, which is a, you know good for us. It's a, a strong suit of our business, having inventory and being able to supply on short notice. But you very much get back to sort of just-in-time deliveries. Companies don't want to have massive raw material inventories on the floor, whether it's just because of, you know, inventory volumes or if you're worried about prices going down or <clears throat> any, any one of those things. So I, I would definitely agree with that you know, cycle and, and kind of where, where we are in things. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's been interesting. I was going to say in terms of freight rates, that is something that a year ago and two years ago, this was a massive topic for, you know, a good year and a half. Sure. I feel like freight rates are just not really a topic anymore. So that is to me, an example of a market that has, normalized to the point that we're not even talking about it so that is you know the prices are fairly competitive and not really an issue for anybody yeah and we've, we've seen some interesting things just in the past couple really couple days um and kind of trends that we haven't seen in the past couple of years because demand has been so crazy but we were looking at certain lanes coming in and out in new england and obviously as you come into the winter time certain of those lanes you know people may want to get out of new england more so than they want to go into new england so coming up to the northeast to our neck of the woods could be relatively expensive but we've seen actually a pretty significant drop in some lanes coming out of new england because those lanes you know people really want to get get out of new england and are are happy to compete and take those to make sure they have a turnaround on the way out so some of these seasonal things that make sense and and have happened in years kind of before covid but you know seasonal trends and weather trends that we really haven't seen because the demand has just been so so crazy but i would agree it's it's really not a conversation if anything it's actually a, a bit of a positive light with freight rates coming down a bit which is uh you know i'm sure surprising to many right well thinking i'm thinking about you know just a year and a half ago that was really all anybody was talking about oh yeah oh, you yeah. know my freight rates have tripled my freight rates have crippled my business, yep. you know, uh, never mind the availability and the timing and the backlogs. And, you know, so that seems to have worked itself out. And in terms of, you know, back to normal, I know with, um, you know, the ethylene price is back up above 20 cents and that's feeling a little normal. Propylene's upper thirties, lower forties, and these are on a spot basis. But, you know, we've also got a handful of steam crackers that are in, you know, uh, either a scheduled turnaround or, you know, something that happened during September. So the market is, is really, to me, trundling along in a way that even if they're, you know, my, uh, my colleagues at Chemical Market Analytics estimate that operating rates for steam crackers as an aggregate is maybe in the low 80s. So that's a little bit low, but given the demand environment, that's, you know, it's keeping things, um, keeping things fairly balanced in that sense. It's the downstream inventories, <clears throat> I think, that are the um, kind of the, the nuance to watch. You know, anytime you're in a low inventory market, you do have the potential for some volatility, you know, price jumps for that, um, you know, for that prompt product because you, you can't draw from that inventory. But something I definitely, I know we talked about last time, 
that um, I wanted to to bring up again is that the gasoline market. The gasoline market, it's um, its use of chemicals as preferred blend stocks. I know in the benzene market, in particular, that really has has made a difference in in demand for uh, for ethyl benzene, and then of course for toluene. That you know, depending on how cynical the person is that you're talking to in that market, <laughs> I've heard more than one person say, "If it wasn't for gasoline, we'd have no demand at all." You know, and talking to various people in the styrene world, I'm like, "Are you making ethyl benzene?" They're like, "Of course we are." You know, I mean that that is. Um, so when I look at the bounce back that we've seen in benzene prices, um, you know, the October contract itself was up 70 cents, right? And it's broken above $4 for the first time this year. It's my understanding that uh, the gasoline and ethyl benzene use is really, um, that is a significant factor in the demand side on the supply side as the, um, because the price had gotten to Kind of a low point in the third quarter that there were not a lot of um, there was not a lot of material here from Asia, which also makes a difference. So, you know, that's um, I feel as though this uh, the price rebound in, in benzene itself is is a true correction or reaction to we were not attracting exports from other regions. We were or imports rather, and also you know what we. What we had, we were really not putting into the the styrenics and polystyrene world because the demand is is really not that supportive. But gasoline was there, so those two things have have gotten that price up, and then you know the imports will return, and then the prices will drop. You know that's but that's a normal market for for benzene. So I feel as though maybe a little bit of normalcy is coming back. I think that with the um, the ethylene and propylene again you will have the, the steam crackers come back to life you know in particular a big question mark from the second quarter or third quarter also was that uh, was shell you know that you know shell going down in may and the speculation at the time was you know will this be for the rest of the year well it's october so if it restarts during the quarter okay we also have some other steam crackers that could restart during the quarter but um, but I think a lot of these are you know they're they're controlled enough to be cognizant of restarting at the end of the year. You know what kind of demand are you really restarting and running flat out for? But also in a low inventory market, you know you can you can build that inventory if that's your choice to um, you know to do at the end of the year. You're not you're certainly not running out of storage space. Yeah, yeah, and I think on a on a macroeconomic you know perspective as well. You know, I saw some reports this week and last week and people have talked about it on and off about just consumer spending in general. You know, even though rates are very high, sure people maybe aren't buying houses, but consumer spending seems strong. I know the I think retail um uh, public company retail announcements uh for earnings are I think this week or next week. So those will be interesting. I mean, people are out spending money on things. Obviously that's moved to travel and and things along those lines rather than home renovations and and stuff, you know, quote unquote. Um, but it's been interesting. People talk about inflation being high. I feel like you don't really hear about people talking about recession concerns anymore and things like that. You know, rate, rates are high. They kind of are what they are. People are still spending money, you know, which which bodes well for maybe not so much inflation specifically, but 
bodes well for the economy. You know, people are still out there spending spending money on things. And, you know, I heard one kind of perspective that people will go out and travel and do the trips that they missed out on due to COVID. And then everyone's going to sort of come back home and say, well, you know, now what? I mean, and look to buy things. And, you know, as long as consumer spending and, and the kind of atmosphere there stays positive, I mean, people will continue spending money and buying things, which will obviously trickle down to, to our industry or up to our industry, I guess. Yeah, no, I agree. This past summer was certainly, I think, at least in the States, the summer of the family vacation. I feel like everybody I know was like in Ireland yeah. or something, yeah. you know, yep, yep, <laughs> um, yep. you know, if uh, social media is any evidence of that, right? That, um, but also, I mean, you're right, that big ticket renovation really went on in the second half of 2020. That was kind of the psychological reaction to lockdown for those who could afford it. Sure, you know, obviously, sure. yep, yep. you know, those who still had all their incomes intact and are looking at I might be home for the next few months at the time, put on a new deck, redid the kitchen, you know, beefed up a, a, a den or a game room or something. Um, that you know, how many times a year you're buying a new refrigerator, right? So like there's certain types of demand that are, are they're just not there. But to your point, people spending money that like you say, you know, you're you're done with travel, you're looking at the holidays and you know, there is inherent spending in some of that and refreshing things, you know, and sure. smaller appliances or smaller, you know, improvements that you can do to the garden and you know, more flower pots and Christmas decorations and Halloween costumes, you know, that there is inherent discretionary holiday specific spending that is going on. And, you know, I'm, I'm a, a I'm personally a fan of consumer behavior studies and, and things like that. And I, I think as we've also discussed, I consider myself to be a very average person in that when I look at did I do my Christmas shopping? Not yet, but I might start this month. So my planning is beginning, you yep. know, so which means that experts at the retail level probably began planning, you know, last quarter for what I might be feeling right now. And we'll see if they're right, but that we will be seeing those those retail numbers coming up as a real guide to what what we're, you know, what's going on at home. And um you know, and also what that uh, what kind of picture that paints for the restocking in Q1 of next year, because I feel like before we know it, it's the Lunar New Year holiday again. And as much as January is a reset for everybody's inventory valuations and all that, there's usually not a whole lot going on the first six weeks of the year because everyone's waiting for post Lunar New Year demand to roar up, which, you know we'd be in our third year of waiting for that really. Yep. Yep. So looking at, uh, looking at things like oil and gas, you know, obviously yeah. we, we saw a upward trend coming uh, to the end of Q3 and then surprisingly, I think recently, especially on the oil side, you know, prices have come off a little bit, you know, we're kind of sitting around the mid eighties mm -hmm. where I know we, we came up to 90, um, the end of September. So what are you, what are you tracking? Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on, on kind of the, high level, you know, crude oil and, and natural gas pricing where it sits today and, and coming into Q4? Well, I do think that the headlines to watch are the oil headlines, you know, that for chemicals. I think that um, 
in my observation over the past couple of quarters that really cost has been the most volatile thing. And uh, so that's that's given a certain amount of support to chemical prices around the world, meaning that, you know, they're not dropping to the record lows that we saw, you know, I think about, you know, during early lockdown when there were like, it was almost like there were no prices for anything. And ethylene itself went to eight cents and that's, you know, but crude oil was negative for a few minutes there. So, you know, those were extraordinary times, but looking at, you know, I know the last time you and I spoke, um, I believe that oil was in the 70s and now it's in the 80s and there just might be enough geopolitical stuff happening that 90s are not, you know, an out of hand forecast, but sure. I feel as though those, those are really, you know, we talk about, you and I've talked about, well, you know, what are we watching in the new quarter? And something, you know, I, I had said for a long time was, oh, European natural gas. I'm not really watching that as much. I'm really watching crude oil headlines. I feel like that's, um, that, that will have the, maybe some of the biggest shock waves or ripple effects that, that we'll see. And, you know, and typically they're not that huge of a ripple effect, but in terms of what's the support that you can see, you know, when we talk about also with the gasoline demand really carrying um, stronger use of propylene, you know, we've seen also cumene be used as a blend stock, which is highly unusual, ethyl benzene, highly unusual. So these are factors that, um, you know, they're just not typical that we saw this year. I was, uh, I recently had the opportunity to address some plastic market consumers. And, uh, you know, and of course they're, they're all very smart people, but their question was, why, why don't we count as much as we usually do? I'm like, right, because of gasoline, you know? So, and that, you know, the gasoline demand is something that is really not built into a lot of, um, you know, downstream manufacturing for the plastics world is not really built into their demand forecast, especially use of cumene or ethyl benzene. So these were unusual factors that really carried ethylene, propylene, and benzene quite a long way this year. But that said, you know, this is October, the, uh, the driving season in this country or hemisphere is officially over. So now we're into winter grade gasoline, but your, um, you know, your home heating costs are going up and demand will be going up. And in terms of chemical feedstocks that pulls heaviest on propane. Yep. So yep. that's the most supportive for propylene costs. So, you know, trying to mitigate that, we also have, you know, a lot of the propylene related downstream markets like polypropylene, if their prices got to a point where they were attracting imports, we're seeing that play out kind of the opposite of benzene where, you know, the price here was not attracting imports and now the price is up and well, we'll see where the imports are coming in. So those things are, you know, they're constantly like little wheels playing out, you know, side by side. So, so the, uh, the propylene related wheel is maybe gasolines over beheatings here, you know, ethylene, um, a little bit different. We'll see where the ethyl benzene use goes in this winter driving season, because as, as an unusual feedstock, um, 
we don't have a whole lot of historical data on, you know, it's used in the winter driving season. So we'll see how that plays out. And then, um, you know, of course, just, I don't see that renewable or non-fossil feedstocks have moved the needle at all for any chemical company's costs at this point. But, you know, it's like I say that the, the drums are beating louder, so don't count them out. Um, and I think I'd mentioned this previously too, is when you look at all, you know, we're about to get a load of everybody's third quarter earnings, right? And you might see that they've cut headcount or they've cut, you know, I don't know, you know, rail cars or whatever they're they're cutting. What they're not cutting is their sustainability departments. Yeah. So yeah. you know, that's that's uh that's something that's certainly here to stay, and you know, just be mindful of what's what's coming. You know, talk to your suppliers more deeply about what are you using, what are your plans, is your cost structure changing? Because those are those are also subtleties that will be in my opinion, more specific to the company, you know, right. so you, it's, you, it's going to be a while before you and I are talking about what paralysis oil did this month, yeah. <laughs> you know, but talking to your supplier, that might actually change things for you. But, yeah. you know, that's, uh, I think that's where we're at with that personally. You, you mentioned f uh, following crude oil headlines more so than European natural gas. I know, for TCC's business, and I'm sure for a lot of listeners, you know, energy prices in Europe is still very much an interesting topic just because so much of the, the you know, Esther's world and what we play in is produced in Europe and, and falls under those, uh, you know, that kind of umbrella. What, what, what are you seeing with Europe energy prices? Are, are you still following it, you know, closely? I know there's a lot of, we, we hear a lot of concerns about, you know, sure, energy prices have come off a bit and they're a little bit more reasonable. Still a exponential amount over the u.s but more reasonable right. but there's a lot of concerns about a cold winter and what energy prices could do what, what are you seeing on on the you know kind of europe specific side or, or have you have you seen much are you hearing a lot of alarms being rang at this point or just kind of a wait and see well i don't want to be an alarmist and i, I do agree with you i'm not saying you know european energy prices don't matter especially in the natural gas area you know as you say it's still exponentially higher than what we've got here in the states but you know what are we you know what are we looking at in the states you know we're looking at a little bit over three dollars so to say something is you know above 10 or in the teens or 20s that's that's a big deal no doubt sure. but um i've also i've my personal take on what i've seen happen across europe is um is a form of a structural shift. You've seen companies shut plants down. You you know you've seen decisions already get made that are really not they're not going to be a factor for the next few quarters or years. So I think that um you know just putting an end to some unprofitable situations is something that we've seen go on throughout 2023 that this was the year of okay no more you know yeah. that um so there's that and then you know on on the world front if you're looking at demand i think that you know demand just like in other regions is not all that robust but it's also um you know it's really better matched to 
supply than it was a year ago because there's less supply for certain products. So, so that's, I think that, um, you know, I'm continuing to watch and listen, especially in earnings calls for global companies. What is their Europe strategy? Is it more closures? Is it, is it closing a manufacturing site to make it more competitive cost-wise? You know, I'm not, for example, and I, I, this, I don't know anybody doing this, but if a company says, yeah, we're shutting this plant for two years, when it comes back, it will have no fossil anything, you know, no electricity, no, no anything related to, okay, maybe that that's resulting in certain incentives that are making that plant extremely profitable. And then the products, everything at the site, including the fuels and everything will be of this, uh, you know, more desirable quality. Are they able to secure contracts to sell this? So that's the sort of thing where I'm like, I'm looking more for, for what's ahead in Europe in terms of company strategy. So I guess maybe similar to what I was saying about renewable feedstocks or energy, I feel as though we're in a, a case by case scenario where I I can't make any sweeping statements about the region, but I can right. certainly look at some companies saying, okay, that's what they're doing. And that's a big deal. And that's a big deal for this country. And that country is a big deal to the region that it kind of spokes out from that. If that makes sense. I, you know, I think we will certainly continue watching all of that. There's a lot of very interesting partnerships going on in the, uh, in the plastic space and recycled space and fossil free space um, and credit space in Europe in particular. And I think that that's uh, because their, their traditional cost structure has been possibly the most challenging on earth. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Something we're keeping a close eye on, you know, remains a big question mark. Obviously, you know, we see a lot of it here in the U S you know, we were at the EPCA in Vienna last week and a lot of interest in folks talking to, talking to us because, you know, the U.S. still seems to be doing quite well compared to the rest of the world. And we've seen, you know, producers and competition in the U.S. that we haven't seen prior because mm -hmm. people are just looking to obviously keep plants running and move material and folks are, you know, very competitive on pricing and a lot of things. So, you know, I think produce in Europe seems to be at a slight disadvantage because it is higher, higher cost uh, to produce. So, be interesting to see, like you said, what, what companies do and the strategies they take to remain competitive or become competitive or maybe make modifications for the for the future. It'll be interesting. Um, you you yeah. made a couple notes just about what you're watching and what's to come. Um, so, you know, as we always do, what, what are you keeping a close eye on for Q4? I know you mentioned the crude headlines. Um, you mentioned maybe some people a little bit on the bullish side of things in, in, in some, uh, some industries. So what are you, what are you keeping a cl close eye on as we come to a, come to an end for the year here? Yeah. I mean, I think in general, you're always hard pressed to, to find companies out there saying we're not expecting a good quarter, <laughs> you know, but, um, but yeah, I mean, certainly I, I feel as though I'm watching more companies than larger market trends energy global energy trends are the the big one and then of course you know it we're always watching what ethylene propylene and benzene are doing in the regions but it seems it seems to me like right now the current prices and even the forecast prices things are very close you know not to say you know that they're all at parity but if 
you know, if in benzene, the US is the highest price, not by much, but it is the highest price. And we'll see who, jo it's almost like a jockeying in those markets, who is the highest price. When it comes to ethylene, it's, you know, it's always the US, but, um, you know, that really speaks more to the, the demand. But I feel as though what the things that, that I'm watching in addition to macro energy and of course, you know, interest rates and and to your point, consumer spending, not like, yeah, I mean, I've always watched consumer spending, but I feel as though uh, in, uh, in times of more uncertainty about demand, the consumer spending takes a more prominent role in what I'm watching. And, uh, and also, you know, like you say, the, in, the interest rates and, um, and all of that, but also the companies themselves, who's emerging as a leader in that, uh, you know, in the 2024 market with the, with the decisions that they're making that will have global ramifications. So that's, that's really, I'll be watching companies closer than I have in a while. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting, uh, interesting end of the year, I think, for sure. I think there's a lot of people you know, planning for the end of the year and end of year inventories, but also really starting to look to next year and figure out, okay, is it going to be, you know, earlier in the spring? Is it going to be later on in the year for any real demand to pick back up? Is this just kind of what new normal demand looks like? And maybe it'll be a single digit percentage over what, you know, 2022 or 2023 had. Um, so yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to kind of hear what folks talk about. Obviously this kind of time of year comes up with a lot of uh, contract negotiations and things like that, especially on our side, just for uh, annual agreements we have with customers and suppliers. And it's a good opportunity for, you know, to get kind of insights with these companies on what are you guys saying internally? What does your forecast look like? Is it the same as this year? Great. Is it any percentage higher or lower for next year? Are there certain products that are going to be doing better or worse than others? It's certainly an interesting time of year for, for all that to get a lot of insights on what people are thinking about for next year. Granted, typically all these forecasts are completely incorrect. And as we come to find out, you really can't predict any of this stuff, but it's interesting just to kind of get a feel for companies' moods and mindsets and, and what people think about for, for the year to come. Well, I think what you and I discussed in July was more of the same, you know, in terms of a forecast, stability, maybe a pop here or there, nothing falling dramatically because where we were at, we how much more dramatically could you fall? <laughs> and I, I feel like that's that's a little bit of the indication that we've that we've seen on the forecast side, you know, accepting world energy, you know, world oil prices, you you know, just probably while we're speaking, there's more and more rolling out because of world events of you know what this what things could mean for the next few months. But um, but apart from the the price of oil itself. I think that a lot of the basic chemical expectations are more of the same. Keep doing as well as you can with what you've got. And uh, not a lot of surprises. I don't think anybody, I mean, whoever plans for a surprise, but that, you know, there's not a, there's not a lot of volatility conditions that appear to be on the horizon. So they would be a, a true surprise. You know, that said, every, January brings the threat of an ice storm to the Gulf, you know, that sort of thing. We made it through hurricane season with very little effect. And that's, you know, that sort of a, a feeling. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's a great way to kind of wrap it up and, and talk about folks mood for, for next year. Like you said, just kind of keep on going. Maybe it'll be a, a, an uptick in some certain markets and, but otherwise, you know, 
that kind of seems to be the general theme is just where, you know, this is kind of where we are and what we're working with and barring any significant unexpected events, you know, it's kind of just the, the market we're working with for the early part of next year. Yeah. Well, I will see you again in the new year and we'll compare notes again. Yeah, as always. Well, maybe we'll see you here in January, although more than likely it'll be another virtual one. No one would blame you for not wanting to leave uh, leave your house in the middle of January. I know I, I'm certainly on that on that boat. I, I get it. But uh, we'll see you here sometime uh, in person again soon. And uh, as always, we appreciate your insights and, and thoughts on what's what's going on in the world of energies and, and its derivatives. It's always a great conversation. I know it's well-received with all of our listeners, both internal and external. So we appreciate it as always. Oh, well, thank you. And thank you, listeners. Absolutely. We'll talk to you soon, Kathy. Thanks so much. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. The material contained on this podcast is provided by the chemical company solely for informational purposes. The information is not guaranteed to be correct, complete, or up-to-date. The information in the podcast is intended solely as a general education aid. TCC is providing this podcast as a public service, but it is neither a legal interpretation nor a statement of TCC policy. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by TCC. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Views and opinions expressed by TCC employees are those of the employees and do not necessarily reflect the view of TCC or any of its officials. All statements, comments, and opinions presented are made in the context of robust dialogue and freedom of expression. TCC assumes no responsibility for any consequence relating directly or indirectly to any action or inaction taken based on the information in this podcast. While TCC strives to keep the information in the podcast accurate, complete, and up-to-date, we cannot guarantee and will not be responsible for any damage or loss related to the accuracy, completeness, or timeliness of the information. TCC assumes no liability for any errors or omissions in the content of this podcast. The information contained on the podcast is provided entirely on an as-is basis with no guarantees of completeness, accuracy, usefulness, or timeliness.